Greetings in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. My dearly beloved youth, I want you to know right up front here that you have been a blessing to me. I have immensely enjoyed this. I enjoy watching you yesterday afternoon singing and watching the people look at you and listen to you. And as you minister too to others, God bless you. We love you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, Brother Vince started something. He prayed for Naomi and I at the end of his session, I think it was. Here we have a prayer card. If you would like to follow his example and continue to pray for us, see me, myself, or my queen afterwards, we'd be delighted. Now, there's a responsibility goes with this. What does it say up here? Pray. No obligation. I'm inviting you, if you wish to. Yes. So, this is my last session here for through the day. And I think all that the, oh, there is, let me say something here. There's an added picture up there. Who is it? Jesus, Jesus is sitting on the throne of your heart. And I believe and trust he is for most of you. Amen? Amen. And you have the fullness of God. You have the fullness of the Spirit. You have the fullness of the Word. <laughs> and uh, you got the fullness of everything. Amen? Amen. What are you going to do with it? <laughs> yes. What are you going to do with all that? You're blessed, dearly beloved young people. Okay, all that was assigned for this session on my schedule says maturity. That's all. A mature man. A mature sister. Well, I appreciate, committee, you've given me this freedom. <laughs> I do appreciate that. And I'm going to, the choice I have made, uh, what maturity looks like, is found in Philippians chapter 2. And I think Brother Vince, or maybe it was Grant, was here somewhere along the line and sort of uh, sailed over it. Philippians chapter 2. Let's stand and let's uh, read. I'll read it, okay? You follow. Philippians chapter 2. I'm going to start in verse 1. It says verse 5. But I'm going to start in verse 1. Here we go. Philippians chapter 2 verse 1. If there be therefore any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit... If thy bowels and if, if and if bowels of mercies and we know there is, Amen. We've been hearing it for how many days already, Amen. Yes, fulfill ye my joy, says Paul, that ye be like-minded, having the same love, being a one accord and a one mind. Let nothing be done through strife or vain glory. But the low, in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. Let not every man, look not every man, I'm sorry, on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. And here's the key, what I want, what maturity looks like. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God or the nature of God, 
thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon himself, took upon him the form of a sermon, servant, and was made in the likeness or the image of men. And being found in fashion as a man, I should have said nature of man, and being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Wherefore God also hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Wherefore, my beloved, as ye have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God which worketh in you, both to will, to do, and his good pleasure. It is God, dearly beloved young people, that has been working in you to to do, to will, let me start over. For it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do his good pleasure. Do all things without murmuring and disputing, that you may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God without rebuke, in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation, among whom you shine as lights in this world. All together now. Verse, verse 16. Ready? Okay, I'm sorry. All together, ready? Now, holding forth the word of life that I may rejoice in the day of Christ that I have not run in vain, neither labored in vain. Thank you. Father, we thank you for the holy writ, the holy word that we have in our hearts, in our minds, and in our hands. I pray, Lord, you would quicken this portion of Scripture to our hearts here this afternoon. Stand with your servant in the pulpit of God. Wash me in the blood, Lord. Stand with me and speak through me. Open my mouth, loose my tongue, and anoint me to prophesy practical applications to this portion of Scripture for these dear, beloved sons and daughters of yours. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You may be seated. Thank you. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Now, I suggest to you, maturity, maturity. We have spoke a lot about a lot of things, have we not? Us teachers, do you have space in your heart for just a little bit more? Sure you do. Let's look at it. Yes, I think, Vince, this was you, wasn't it, that said the kenosis? Theologians call this the kenosis of Christ. I want to add just a little word in there. It's very important. The willing, volunteer kenosis of Christ. Never forget this. Jesus Christ, with the Father in heaven, he willingly volunteered to do, to see what you're going to see. He was a volunteer. God the Father didn't force him. Am I right? Yes, he's a volunteer. This is very important to understand where I'm going. 
Okay, the self-emptying humility of Jesus. And remember, this is about you and I. Let this mind be in you and I, which was in Christ Jesus. Here we go. Let's begin with the emptying. There's seven steps. The kenosis of Christ. Verse 6 through 8, there are seven steps of Jesus emptying himself. Then you look at the whole of Scripture. Here we go. Number one, Jesus stepped down from glory. He was equal with the Father in heaven, and he stepped down. We know the story, the Christmas story. Yes, came to earth as a babe, but I'm not going to expound much. Jesus emptied himself willingly. There it is. Number three, Jesus became the bond slave of the Father. He had only one right. And that was to obey the Father and do his will. Number four, Jesus was made in the likeness of men. He's the seed of Abraham. Tim, Paul told Timothy, there is one mediator between God and man, the man, Christ Jesus. Number, number five, even as a man, Jesus renounced his position. Even as a man, Bible says, cursed is the man that dies on a cross. And we know why he did it. I don't need to expound to this. He did it for you and I, to pay our sin debt. And number six, Jesus became obedient unto death. You see, now, in our human nature, let me just make a little, you know, we would say, okay, I'll, I'll, go, I'll go down, I'll humble myself, I'll humble myself, I'll go down, I'll become a little mouse. And that's a very poor comparison to where, where Jesus was coming from down. But I'll be a mouse, okay, God, I'll be a mouse, but let me be the king of the mice. That's how subtle our hearts are. And how, but Jesus even renounced himself to be a nobody. An absolute nobody, even as a man. Let this mind be in you. Now, let me just stop there. And I'll come back and get the exaltation in a moment. Oh, I forgot. Number seven. I'm sorry. Jesus died with no dignity whatsoever. There's that cursed is any man that dies on a tree. Seven steps down. Young people. All of us, myself included, let this mind be in you. You got it? Seven steps down. How did Peter say it? I'll tell you how he said it. First Peter chapter 5, verse 6, he said, Anyone? Real quick. Yes, sister, please. Aha. Uh -huh. Thank you, sister. God bless you in Jesus' name. Picture God has a great big hand. And it's a big hand. And it's a powerful hand. And it's a mighty hand. And don't ever forget he has a work for you. Don't forget that part of it. But you get under that hand and you go down. Let this mind be in you. Be sure to keep your heart humble. The lower we go 
at the feet of Jesus, the lower you go, the more, the higher he can lift you up. That's maturity, brothers and sisters. Now let's just take a little look here. The, the mind of Christ. I'll get to the exaltation, but I want to make sure we understand this. The mind of Christ. Christ was in the flesh. Now as he walked on earth, just as we are, we have just seen that he emptied himself of the equalness with the Father. Now we always say he was 100% God, and he was 100% man. Amen? Is that right? Well, if he emptied himself those seven steps down, he hasn't went to the cross yet now, but what, what God part is left in him? He's still God. I'm not questioning. <laughs> I want you to just stir your thinking. Holy Spirit is in him? Okay, we'll get there. You're ahead of me. Okay? I just did that to jog your thinking. So Christ was in the flesh just as you are as a man. Now, he's still God. Now, I'll get to that. Okay? In his flesh as a man, John 5.30. Follow me quickly here. John 5.30. Listen to what Jesus said. John 5.30, Jesus said this. Here Jesus is speaking, and let's drop in at verse 26. I'm going to need to keep moving here. For as the Father hath life in himself, so hath he given to the Son to have life in himself. Thank you, sister. Who's reading here? You. Okay. I heard it said here at least once, maybe twice, that Jesus Christ is the express image of the Father. There you have it. The life that you've seen is the image of the Father. Okay? So, read on now, sister. Verse 27. And hath given him authority to execute judgment also, because he is the Son of Man. Keep going. Marvel not at this, for the hour is coming in which all that are in the graves shall hear his voice, and shall come forth, they that have done good unto the resurrection of life, and they that have done evil unto the resurrection of damnation. Key verse that I'm looking for, sister. Read verse 30. I can of mine own self do nothing. As I hear, I judge. And my judgment is just, because I seek not mine own will, but the will of the Father which has sent me. Now, listen carefully, brothers and sisters. Jesus Christ had surrendered everything to the Father. He's 100% man. He's, he says, I of myself can do nothing. Jesus said that. I think he said that about you and I, didn't he, in John 15, didn't he? Without me, you can do nothing, he said. Well, he's an example. We've been looking at examples. In every session, I looked at examples. And here we have now, we're looking at Jesus as an example of how we're going to mature and live for him and go forth. I and myself can do nothing. Jesus said that as he walked on earth. But as I hear, he says. Then he says, when I hear and I speak, I, I seek not mine own will, but the will of the Father which hath sent me. Now, what does that tell you and I? That tells me you and I and makes Jesus an example for us to follow as we're going to go from here in humility. 
What did he, who did he hear from? God the Father. God the Father. Let me give you an example. Let me just keep going. As he heard, he spoke. That's exactly what you're going to do as you go with, from here. You have the same spirit, and I am going to trust your just overflowing with the fullness of God and his spirit and life, the word of life. And as you hear, you speak. As you hear, you walk in the spirit from him. Yes. Number four, by co-dying with Christ on our cross, we have his mind and spirit, same Holy Spirit power he had, as, as you said, sister, uh, as a man on earth and as he ministered. So we have all, so we go forth and hold forth the word of life, minister the gospel. And that we, you, uh, we've seen in verse, uh, I have verse 16 there. I wonder if I'm referring to, I am sorry, I may be referring to, uh, it's in 1 Corinthians. We have another phrase that says uh, by Paul, it's in, yes, it's verse 16. It's in, uh, it's just make a note of this. No? First at the, oh uh, boy, I'm all. I'm in Philippians, that's where I am. But Paul says in Corinthian letter, I think it's in, we have the mind of Christ. He says the same thing. It's at the end of chapter 2. Somebody look quickly. Is that right? Sorry about that. Yeah, that's what I wanted. I thought I had put Corinthians in there, but I, I whip this stuff up pretty quick sometimes, and I missed it. I'm sorry. Okay. So, okay, we got that. Let's move on. Let's just give me, let me just give you an example of this. I like to give examples. In John chapter 8, we have the adulterous woman. So, now remember, Jesus is a man. As he hears, he judges and he speaks what he hears from the Father. He doesn't do his own will. He doesn't seek his own will. So, here they come with his adulterous woman. They have their hands loaded with stones. Because they know what the law says. The law says, stone her to death. She was caught in the very act. What does Jesus do? You see it. He goes down and he writes on the ground. Just like the picture says. Now, we tend as preachers often say, wonder what he wrote on the ground. Wonder what he wrote on the ground. I suggest to you Jesus was just as a man in the flesh. Seed of Abraham just as you are in the flesh. Papa, Papa, Papa. That's right. That's what the law says. She shall be stoned. I'm sure he knew the law. Uh, but, Papa, what do I say? Papa, I, I don't know what to say. Papa, please. Papa, I need to hear. Oh, thank you, Papa. Ah, thank you, Papa. And he rose up. What did he say? You that are without sin, cast the first stone. Where do you get that word? As I hear, I judge. Yes. I'm sorry, I stirred somebody up. Where do you get that word? As I hear, I judge. Jesus walked in an intimate, vital connection with his Father on earth. 
you're going to do the same thing in the spirit. Amen? Amen. Yes. There's that 1 Corinthians 2.16. I knew I put it in. And we have the mind of Christ. We're going to walk on earth the same way that Jesus did as our example. Mind of Christ. Beautiful example. And I could look at many more, but I'm not going to. Let's look at the exaltation of Jesus. Now, verse 7, verse 9 through 11, we have seven steps of God the Father exalting the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's look at that. We can't leave him because we know that's not where he's at today. Okay, number one, Jesus resurrected from the dead. Number two, Jesus' ascension. Number three, Jesus sitting at the, right, at the Father's right hand, interceding for you and I through the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is a direct connection to headquarters. Holy Spirit to Jesus, through Jesus Christ to the Father. You'll find that in Acts, but we're not going to look at it. Verse 4, Jesus' second coming. Number 5, Jesus' future reign. Jesus' eternal glory, number six. And finally, number seven, Jesus' name above every name. Now, let's get back to the word. Now, I'm in verse nine. Wherefore, God has also highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name. Why did God the Father, I want you to listen carefully, God the Father exalted him because he is his son. Correct? Ah, I've heard a little bit of yes and no. According to the scripture now. Okay. God the Father exalted his son because he was God. Son. Ah. When the word wherefore is there, you got to look what it's there for. And that therefore connects God the Father exalted him and gave him this position, this exalted position, because he humbled himself. First Peter. Now, is it incorrect to say because it was, it was his son? Not necessarily, but that's not what the scripture says. The scripture says he exalted him because he humbled himself. Is that all right? That's what the Bible says. We must interpret Scripture correctly. I mean, if it was because it was his son, which is, yes, it is his son, then how is he going to exalt you? You humble yourself. That's the whole point. Thank you. You got it. Let's move on. Yes. So, remember the verse in 1 Peter. Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God, and then he'll lift you up in due season. And I still haven't moved away from the fact that God has a work for you, like he did for David and like he did for Joseph. Okay, I'm still on the same vein. I haven't gotten away from it. We're looking at another big yes. Yes, okay. Now let's go on. 12 and 13. It only gets better, and it even gets more personal. Now we have a wherefore. My beloved, as ye have always 
obeyed. Whoops, let's stop. What's that wherefore, therefore? Who is it, first of all, who's it talking to, young people? Us, or Philippi, the believers at Philippi, but us today. Now, what does this wherefore tell you? Paul is assuming, and I am assuming, that wherefore, my beloved, as ye have always obeyed, is now speaking to you and I, that we humble ourselves. That's the connection between what we just looked at, Jesus humbling himself as a willing volunteer, and then God the Father picking him up and exalting him. Wherefore, my beloved, as ye have always obeyed, have we obeyed in humbling ourselves, in going down, 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 in willingly emptying ourselves of all of my dreams, all of my goals, all of my aspirations. I mean, emptying ourselves and co-dying with Christ, fully emptying ourselves. That's challenging. Surrendering all. Back to surrendering all. We've talked a lot about that. I'm not going to, but that's what Paul is saying. Then he, he says, let's just read on. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. What this is saying is there needs to be quantifiable evidences in your life that you have done what Christ has done. Quantifiable evidences of the mind of Christ that you have surrendered, that you have yielded. You quantifiable, you like that terminology. Holiness, separation from the sin, separation from the world, separation from fleshly, carnal living, separation from... Those are your three enemies. Those are your three enemies. Flesh the world, and Satan. Set quantifiable evidences that you have, you have no connection to them. You're emptied of self. That's what he's saying. For it, and why is this so important? For it is God which worketh both in you in keeping you separate. And I again want to bless you in your simplicity and your modesty and those clear quantifiable evidence of separate from the world it's very clear and i bless you for that in jesus name keep it don't lose it keep it rooted and grounded in christ jesus i'm not speaking about this is not speaking about a work salvation it's speaking that when you are saved it will work out and there'll be quantifiable evidences amen brothers are you with me and there's lots of quantifiable evidences in this room, and I bless you for that, okay? Keep it. Don't lose it. And I bless you again in it. Let's move on. But here's what verse 13 is saying. For God is working in you, giving you the desire, giving you the grace and the power, and giving you all that you need to do that which pleases him. That's what that verse is saying. Now, that's what I call the grace of God and the goodness of God. He gives you the will, the desire, the power, and all to please Him. That's a big, 
That's a big order. It all comes from God. Amen? Keep it. Okay, but what's the point in it all? That's where I really want to go. The mind of Christ purpose is found in verse 15 and 16. That ye may be blameless, harmless, the sons of God without rebuke in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation among whom ye shine as lights. That the glorious gospel light of our Lord Jesus Christ will just radiate and burst out of you and your life. But more than that, and I bless you for that, the light of the gospel is radiating out of your life. Some of your countenances need a little help. Maybe your hearts aren't clear. Do you have the joy of the Lord? Yes. Well, some of you need to notify your face. Ah, that looks a little better. <laughs> that looks a little better. <laughs> I got you on that one. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Okay, that looks a lot better. I know it was a little heavy. It's okay to be serious. That's okay. Yes, but here's where I'm going. Holding forth the word of life, that I may rejoice in the day of Christ, that I have not run in me. Now, there's just a beautiful picture, and that's what you were doing yesterday. I don't know. I didn't see anybody have their Bibles out. Did you have your Bibles out? Aha. Uh -huh. Sister, God bless you. They're pointing at you that you had your Bible. I bless you. But really what this is talking about is, yes, your Bibles, but the word of God and the life of Jesus Christ in you. You're going to hold it forth. It's going to burst out of you. It's going to flow out of you. Just like you see that, whoever he is, ministering the word, speaking life, being a life giver. I have related to being a life giver many times, different times. David, he was a life giver. When he went into his room there with Saul, with his harp, and there was evil spirits. He brought life. He brought the presence of the Lord. You go and do the same now. Joseph, same thing. I wasn't using those things, just be, those, uh, those patriarchs of faith. I had purpose in all of that because this is where I wanted to go, right here. They were life givers. David in the room with Saul, and David eventually killed Goliath and brought life, brought deliverance to all his people and killed that big Philistine. He brought life and freedom. But for you, it's going to be the gospel, ministering life unto others. But, and also, same with Joseph. He brought life. Where did he start? Where did he start bringing life? Did I say Joseph or did I say David? Joseph, I meant Joseph if I said David. Where did he start? When he was young, yes, he, he had a vision. But the first evidence that we see that he brought life, had a vision. Potiphar's house. Thank you, sister. But it didn't, he, right where God had him, right where he was right now. That's where Joseph brought life and blessing. Holding forth the word of life, being a life giver, being a blessing giver. You heard me many, dear you, right where you are, you start right where you are right now at home right where you are yes that's what we see in philippians 2 16 holding forth the word of life that i may rejoice in the day of christ that i have not run in vain <clears throat> why does paul put that run in vain in there suggesting it's possible neither labored in vain 
Wow. It's the life of God within you that God wants to flow through you as a channel to bring life to others. Being a life giver, holding forth, sending forth, bursting forth the life of God, Jesus Christ, Holy Spirit that's in you. How have you, you were yesterday, that's what you were doing yesterday. But I suggest to you, my dearly beloved young people, it starts where you are right now, at home, in this group, blessing each other, finding something positive, finding something, rather than look at anything negative, find something positive about a brother. I did it numerous times in here. I was trying to give you an example. And then bless that person for that positive. I'm not talking about infatuation or anything like that. I'm talking about seeing something very good and positive and bless that person in Jesus' name. Holding forth the words of life. Amen? Amen. Abraham, blessed to be a blessing to all the families of the earth. Exactly. And that's all fulfilled in the Holy Spirit. In Christ Jesus, Galatians tells us. Let's go on. Holding forth the word of life. You could call that the message title. But I'm not going to. Jesus said 20 times plus times in the gospel, follow me. Follow me. Now, if Jesus had something as a man on earth that you and I do not have. Can we follow him? Can we? No. He was 100% man. 100% man. I did not say he was no, no longer God. I didn't say that. Let me give you... I really want you to understand this. We follow Jesus. Example. Just like I gave you examples from David and Joseph. But now we're going to follow Jesus' example. So where is the God part of Jesus yet? As a man. You see, I don't know if you're getting me. And I stand to correction here, brothers. Never my heart to deceive anybody. But we so many times we ascribe something divinity to Jesus when he walked on earth and ministered to others. And we say, well, that was Jesus. He was God. Well, he was God. But we just looked at how he emptied himself. Then where is the God part yet? I'm going to give you some ideas. He is God but he voluntarily emptied himself as a volunteer. So that means that any time he would have chosen to, he's still God, but he's man as he walks on earth. Any time he chose, could have chosen to, he could have been equal with the Father again. Very important to understand. Anytime he'd have chose to. And we get a glimpse of that one time for sure in his ministry as he walked on earth. As they arrested him in the garden, Peter whips out his sword 
and he goes for Malchus, uh, whatever the servant, he went for his neck. But Peter, well, first of all, Peter's a fisherman. He's a very, his sword aim is rotten. <laughs> he, but furthermore, the Malchus was able to whip down his head and, or Malchus, I don't know, what's that the name of the guy? Yeah. Oh, okay. And choom, off goes his ear. And of course, we know that Jesus put the ear back on. He healed him. You might not want to try that in your ministry <laughs> as you go from here. Okay, what did Jesus tell Peter? Put away your sword. He disarmed him and he disarmed the whole church when he said that. But what else did he say? I didn't hear. Don't you know that I could call how many legions? Twelve. How many is that? Seventy. Is it? My, num my mind is failing me. 72,000, I think. Or is it 144? Thousands, Thousands for sure. What was Jesus saying? Peter, don't you know that I'm God? I have voluntarily emptied myself, and at any time I could be reinstated with God and be equal with the Father. Be, be God, fullness of God again. That's, I suggest to you that's what Jesus was saying. But he would not. He would not, brothers and sisters. Why? Because it was man that sinned, and a God-man had to die to pay for the wages and penalty of the whole world's sin. That's why he would not. So Jesus walked on earth as a man, and everything he did, he did by being intimately, vitally connected to the Father. In the same way, you're going to be connected to the Spirit of the Lord Jesus and the Lord Jesus Christ and walk in him. I just shared that with you to help you understand that we're following Jesus and his example of ministry on earth. Here we go. Now we looked at this the other day. I'm not going to look at it again, right? You know what that's all about? Being full, filled with the fullness of life and let's let that go. And that, I thought I took that out. Okay, my heart is overflowing with anointed life of Jesus and the Spirit. That it simply bursts out of me. I emptied myself to be full of the Spirit and the Lord Jesus Christ and speaking life to others. And I just encourage you to start at home. You start at home. Jesus says, let me just uh, throw something in here, go off script a little bit. Jesus spoke about in John, in Acts, sorry, going a little too fast here. In Acts chapter 1, as Jesus gave the last words unto his disciples in, uh, in preparing them for his departure, Jesus said this, Someone read that. Acts 1 8. And ye shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and all Judea, and Samaria, and Thank you, brother. Okay, God bless you in Jesus' name. Go and be a life giver, young man, unto others. Jesus said, 
be a witness. I'll give qualification to this verse a little later. But lest I forget, I want to drive home a point. point. Jesus said, you shall receive Holy Ghost power, and you're going to be a witness for me. Beginning where? Jerusalem. That's being a witness for Jesus Christ. Being a life giver of the gospel to others. Speaking life, speaking blessing. In the context of this message, you begin in Jerusalem. Jerusalem represents where you are right now. You begin at home. In your youth group, as I said, finding something positive that's God-honoring and blessing that person in Jesus' name. Jesus says here in John chapter 14, he says, Whatsoever you ask in my name, I will do it with a clear heart and an open heaven. He says he'll do it. Let me tell you a story. We were out in Colorado visiting my daughter, and there was uh, some friends of hers. They had just come back from a mission trip in Central America, and they were all really suffering from, what's the word? Dysentery. Serious. And they found out that uh, we were there visiting our daughter and that we might be aware of some medication beyond what's available in America or readily available that's stronger. And they called our daughter, Krista, asked if we would have something. We said we do, uh, we, that we use in Asia, and it works well. And so uh, we went, uh, they said, well, could we, would they bring it over to their house? So when we arrived at the house, I just felt the Spirit of the Lord bless this brother and this sister. They were suffering. They were hurting. So all I said, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I bless you that he would touch you and minister to all of your need in Jesus' name. That's all I said. The sister, I, I think I had put my hand on the brother. I had put my hand on the brother. Just a, a greeting, blessing him. I knew he was hurting and suffering. My sister, his wife, is standing there, and she said, I received that. I said, sister, that was for your husband. But let me speak a blessing in Jesus' name on your life. And I did. Not much. Not much. I knew they were hurting. And the whole team had been hurting. Well, we went on our way. We gave the meds. We left the meds. We went our way. What was it? Just a little while later, uh, maybe later in the afternoon, my daughter, Krista, gets a message. She says this, and Krista just got all excited. She got all excited. And she hears, here's the testimony. To God be the glory. I just want you to hear the power of speaking blessing and life into others. In Jesus' name. She says, the husband and the wife said, the moment we spoke that blessing over them, they just knew. I don't know how they knew something had changed and it was the life of God came upon them healing they never took any meds they never took any meds they didn't need to God healed them speaking blessing is powerful you begin at home daughter to your mama daughter to your papa sons to your mama sons to your papa and after you get married, you start at home speaking the words of life in your marriage. 
one to another, if God chooses for your marriage, one to another, bless him. Naomi and I do this all the time. Speak a blessing. And you don't have to wait till they sneeze. <laughs> That's what that Korean man did yesterday. I sneezed and he said, God bless you. I said, excuse me? He said, God bless you. And then you, I said, thank you. I received that in Jesus' name. He wasn't even a Christian. But he said that. You speak blessing and life into others. And in your fathers, husbands, wives, when you have children, you teach your children. You bless your children. You leave a legacy of blessing. I'm never going to suggest you begin at home, in your marriages, in your families. But you start now. I'm not saying that you need to go to the other side of the world. But Jesus said you begin at home, Jerusalem. He may call you to speak blessing in life unto Judea, which is 18 to 20 miles outside of Jerusalem, a neighboring village. Maybe Samaria, that's about 30 miles outside of Jerusalem. That's cross-culturally. That's another people group. That's a, lang a different language, a different race, or the uttermost parts of the world. I'm just throwing that in. I want you to understand that you begin at home with your family, with your children. If you can't do it there, you can't speak the gospel of life out there either. Amen? Home. Being at home. That's what Naomi and I did. We began at home. And God did call us further. And blessed be God, all of our children, by the grace of God, and we give him all the honor the glory, are serving the Lord faithfully. They're not exactly the same practice that Naomi and I are, but they love the Lord. We started at home, and you do the same. Even now, your parents. Okay, Jesus is preparing his disciples to go back to the Father. In believing in Jesus, all followers of Jesus do the work that Jesus did and greater works. Let's look at this real quickly. How much time do I have yet? Whew. Spending too much time here. Okay, I'm in, uh, in John 14 now. Here that Jesus is endeavoring to prepare his disciples for his going away. And he says, verse 10, Believest thou not that I am in the Father, and the Father in me? The words that I speak unto you, I speak not of myself, but the Father that dwelleth in me. He doeth the works. Believe me that I am in the Father, and the Father in me. There's the express image of the Father again in Jesus Christ. Or else believe me for the very works sake. Then he says, here's the key verse. Verse 12, verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believeth on me, the works that I do, shall he do also, and greater works than these shall he do, because I go unto my Father. Follow me carefully. I'm going to go quickly here. I must. Jesus is preparing his disciples to go back to the Father. Jesus went all about the small region, a very small region of Israel in John 8, 10, 11, and he spoke life. Most of the time he only, he spoke the life of the Father and the power of the Spirit that was in him. He let it flow out and he spoke life. There's the, the, the woman that was caught in the very act of adultery. He told her eventually, where are your accusers? And she said, there are none, Lord. Then what did he say? Neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. 
Jesus spoke life. Just spoke life. The life that was in him, the life of the Father, the life of God. He spoke it out. You go and do the same. Begin at home. That's the works of Jesus. There were times that he touched. There was a leper in Mark chapter 1, verse 41, verse 42. Is it okay, brothers, for me to say if it's a man to put the hand on the shoulder and bless a brother? Is that all right? Men to men, sister to sister. That's what Jesus, speak life, affirm, encourage, bless one another. Jesus touched and spoke life. That's the work he did, brothers and sisters. Yes, he healed sometimes and he opened the eyes of the blind. But Jesus says here, the work that I do, you're going to do also. Plain enough. I've seen miraculous healings. I've seen devils driven out. That pure heart. I'm not saying he's going to do that for everyone. But that's what Jesus said. We're following Jesus' example. Amen. Yes, and greater works shall he do also. Greater works. Yes, John 6, 63. Someone read it, please. John 6, 63. It is the spirit that can give it to flesh, confidence, and nothing. Yes. Amen. The words that I speak. Well, remember, Jesus is a man. Seed of Abraham, the man Christ Jesus. Connected with the Father. He spoke the life of the Father. And the power of the Spirit flowed out of him. He spoke words of life. And their spirit life. Well, it's your turn now. We're following Jesus. Amen. Blessing one another, speaking life into one another, and to the unsaved. The gospel is nothing more than a message of life in Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the gospel, and the gospel is Jesus Christ. Start at home, in your congregation. I really encourage you. A number of years ago, there's a brother came to Igo, and he taught us this. It, it totally revolutionized our little congregation. And we have a very small group there. We came together like we simply had not been before. Recently, I preached it at a church. I preached a message very similar to this. And they had a brother's meeting afterward. And they said, we have failed. They said, we need to. And I give all, God all the honor and the glory. We have failed. They had a brother's meeting and they made some practical applications. How they're going to put this into practice. We're following the Lord Jesus Christ. Is example. Speaking life. Ultimately, the ultimate core value of Jesus Christ was for the Son of Man is come to seek and to save that which is lost. And as we go from here and being a life giver, that's the bottom line also. It includes this also, seeking and saving the lost. We're following Jesus Christ as our example. Okay. For the Son of Man, yes. Okay, am I going too fast? I'm rushing a little bit. Okay, let me just give you one example of how Jesus Christ traveled all over the little land of Israel, speaking life and blessing and touching people and bringing healing. In Matthew chapter 15 and Mark chapter 7, we're not going to necessarily turn to this. We have this story of Jesus Christ 
ministering to the Syrophoenician Canaanite woman. She's a Gentile woman. She's not a Jewish one. She's Gentile. Jesus, the Canaanite woman of Tyre and Sidon. Now, we read over that and we miss so much. I'm trying to give you a picture of Jesus as a man. How adamantly passionate and how much sacrifice he made to do this in following Jesus. He was ministering in the region of the Sea of Galilee. I think he was in the area of... Uh, this area right here, Genesaret, he was in that area. And the Bible tells us that he walked all the way up to Tyre and Sidon. And there he ministered to the Canaanite woman's Gentile woman. He's outside of his constituency. <laughs> you got it. <laughs> He's outside of his own people. She was a Gentile. She was a Canaanite. The 12-year-old daughter. We have no record that he spoke to anyone from the time that he left the region of Gennesaret, which is the region of the Sea of Galilee, and he walked all the way up to Tyre, Sidon. He did not take his truck, young men. He did not ride in a whatever vehicle you ride in. He walked. He didn't even ride a donkey. He walked. He was a good soldier to please his father. Yeah, you're memorizing that. You got it. And it's, if you study your geographical map, at 60 miles one way. He only ministered to this woman, and he turned right around, and he walked back down to the region of Decapolis. How many miles? And we have no record until he shows up again at Decapolis. How many miles is that? 120 miles he walked. You talk about sacrifice. You talk about being empty of self and being surrendered to the will of the Father as a volunteer to be a life giver. You got the picture. I don't have to say more. I don't have to say more. You got it. Now it's your turn to make sacrifice and be empty of your own goals, plans, and agendas to be a life giver unto a Gentile, somebody outside of your box. <clears throat> I'm getting thrown out of here yet. <laughs> no, I won't. I know I won't. I know your ministry's heart. Yes. Let's move on. Let's understanding the greater works. What are the greater works? What are the greater works? Jesus said, the work that I do, ye will do also, and greater works. Jesus told his disciples that. Well, there's different ideas. If you travel with me, you will find that there's a, there's a movement today in the world. I don't know if it's here in America. Yes, I know it is. It started here. It's not necessarily, it's not amongst your people. But there's a movement that totally misinterprets this greater works. I, you know, we, sometimes I call it the charismatic chaos people. And they have all kinds of strange manifestations. And they say that's the greater works. We believe the scripture. We follow the scripture. And we stand on the scripture. Amen, Vince? Oh, he's gone. 
there's numerous different ideas. First of all, the greater works. First thing we need to settle. The works are the same as the first part of the verse. There's no quality change whatsoever in the greater works. The quality is the same of what Jesus was already established in his example, but rather the quantity changes. Quantity is volume. The word greater literally means, in Greek, miezon, it means larger or more in quantity. The works stay the same that we already established. So the greater works than these shall he do. Jesus is introducing his great continuation of following his example of making disciples of all nations, which Vince had quoted, Matthew 28. Now, that, now I had touched on Matthew 28, but we don't really need Matthew 28. Jesus established it before he ever came to Matthew 28. Here's the picture. It all started with the Lord Jesus Christ. And as you read your scripture a little further, after a bit you find that there was three that were in the inner circle. And Jesus made disciples, followers of him, out of them, disciples, Peter, James, and John. You read a little further, and there was 12. And you read a little further, and in Luke chapter 10, verse 1, you find there was 70, and he's sending them out. And you keep reading, you come to the book of Acts, and Chapter 1, verse 15, you find that there was 120 were gathered. You see what's happening? Disciples are being made, and it's growing more and more. It's a great continuation. Uh, I know that we call Matthew 28 the Great Commission, but I suggest to you it's, it's not the Great Commission. Yes, it is. It's the great continuation of what Jesus starts right here in John 14. The work that I do with the same grace, the same power and anointing and intimate connection with Jesus like he was connected to the Father and the grace of God working in him, doing the work of the Father. It's continuing. Well, we read a little further and we get it after Acts chapter 2 where the disciples were filled with the Holy Ghost the Holy Ghost power, just as Jesus said in Acts 1.8, we find that G Peter preaches his first message just a short while, not that long after he had denied the Lord Jesus. But on the day of Pentecost, Peter, he is filled with the Holy Ghost. He's full of Jesus Christ, and he's in tune with God's heart in the great continuation. He preaches his first message after being at a GB Bible school. 3,000 souls saved. <clears throat> Ah, that was okay. He had been with Jesus for three and a half years. You've been here more than three and a half days. Anyhow, we'll keep going. And 3,000 souls saved. Peter preaches his second message. And by the way, he hasn't been at Bible school. He's been with Jesus. And you have been too. How many are saved on this second message? 5,000 are saved. Wow. The great continuation. Well, that great work of doing the work that Jesus did. It's not finished. Now their God is your God. Amen? And he is your Lord Jesus Christ. And he is your power and grace, Holy Spirit. Go and do the same. Actually, the works of Jesus were commenced in a very small region 
of a much larger world. Jesus said, we're still looking at the greater works. What are the greater works? Jesus ministered in a very small region of a bigger world, as we already seen. Most of his ministry was in this region, just around the Sea of Galilee, as we already tire. Only once he went up to Tyre, Sidon, which is up here. But Jesus is saying there's a greater work. Ezekiel 5, 5. And we know that he says you begin in Jerusalem. And I already made an application. But Ezekiel 5, 5 says, Thus saith the Lord God, why is Jerusalem so important? Thus saith the Lord God, this is Jerusalem. I have set it in the midst of the nations and countries that are round about her. You see Jerusalem right here? This would have been the Roman world in the days of Jesus. But the Bible says that Jerusalem sits in the midst of all the countries round about her. Is that true? Watch the map. Uh-huh. There's all the countries round about. Where's Jerusalem? Right in the middle. You begin in Jerusalem at home. I don't need to make another application. You got it. You start right at home. Okay? Significant last words of Jesus. Yes, in Acts 1.8, Jesus' last words, and we already read that. They lived long after Jesus went back to heaven. There's a clear two prophetic promises, two clear prophetic promises that were fulfilled in the day of Pentecost 10 days later after Acts 1.8. You shall receive Holy Ghost power. We don't need to say much there. We heard all about the Holy Ghost power. I think Vince spent quite a bit of time on it. Dunamis or supernatural power, miracle working power, power beyond human ability. But let's never forget it's the same power Jesus Christ experienced as he walked upon the earth as the Son of Man. Did you know that in the scriptures the Son of Man is used oftener than the, in, the test, in the New Testament than the Son of God? Did you know that? Yes, it's very important to understand. Okay, but this word witness, this is a judicial term, means to testify for Jesus Christ in a first-hand experience. Testify it's going to come from your life. I make, I know him and I make him known with my life, my, my testimony and my life separate, holding forth the word of life. It starts with your life. You accurately represent Jesus Christ because we're following his example, a life of holiness, a life of purity. And I already said that separate from the world and sin and fleshly living with my life and my words. Now, this word witness, martis, martis, very, that's the Greek word. The word martis is the root word for the, our English word martyr. martyr. You got it. Let's look at it. Ye shall be witnesses, martyrs, for me, for Jesus. Martus is the root word for the English word martyr. I suggest to you the best way to translate this word witness is to follow the men that were with Jesus that day. The men that seen his countenance, his disciples. The men that caught his urgency. The men that caught his passion. 
they were looking upon Jesus. They heard how he said it, and they caught his heart of the great continuation of the work that he began. Let's look at it. Here's perhaps the best way to interpret the greater works of Jesus is to study the disciples' lives that Jesus spoke those words unto and see how their lives interpret the last words of Jesus according to Acts 1.8. All four Gospels basically end with the same commission. But let's look at it real quickly. Most all of the apostles were martyred as a witness for Jesus in foreign lands. Jerusalem is right here. Every one of them pins represents a, a disciple, an apostle who was martyred for Jesus Christ and the cause of the gospel and being a life giver. That says something, don't it? Let's look at it. I'll just, I'll just take the time. If 43, I got two minutes. Just take the time and just look at a few of them. You catch the heart of a being a life giver and the cost in the way the disciples did. Yeah, there's Israel. Each pin represents where an apostle was either martyred or died for the sake of the gospel. Uh, ye shall be witnesses for me, thus saith the Lord Jesus Christ. Peter. Martyred in Rome by pagan Romans, crucified on a cross upside down the year 67 A.D. They, you can read this in the martyr's mirror. If you never have, you can. Jesus, they wanted to martyr him on a cross like Jesus, but Peter was so humble, so broken now. He said, no, martyrdom, it's okay. I will die for my Lord Jesus Christ in being a life giver and speaking the gospel. But crucify me upside down. I don't want to be identified with Jesus, dying as he died. And that's what they did. The same Peter, but he's a totally different man. He's a life giver, and he gives his life for Jesus in being a life giver, the gospel of life. Rome, look how far outside of Jerusalem Peter is, being a life giver. He has moved beyond Jerusalem the uttermost parts of the world for him. But he started at home. Don't forget that. First message, how many souls saved? 3,000. 3, he started at home. James was the first disciple to die. He was martyred with the sword in Jerusalem by King Herod in the year, at the year 50 A.D. You'll find, it's the only one you'll find in the book of Acts. Acts 12, 2. Of course, Jerusalem, we know where Jerusalem is. Hey, my PowerPoints will be, you'll be able to get them. I just gave them to, uh, your, your brothers are going to upload them. Is that right? So they'll be available. So you don't need to get all these notes. They'll be available. But if you want to get them, it's time to quit. John, I need to tell you about John. Died in Asia Minor in the year 100 A.D. by the region of Smyrna, by Ephesus. The only disciple of the twelve that died of natural causes peaceably. But yet he died in a distant land for the sake of the gospel. They tried to martyr John. They prepared this great big pot of oil. And they put a fire under it as they're stoking the fire there. And they threw him into the oil before it was, this is not a fairy tale, it, before it was boiling hot. 
And, but he rose up and he preached the gospel. He preached, he spoke life into them. I forgive you. Jesus loves you. Jesus died for you. Won't you repent? And one by one, as he spoke life, he spoke the gospel of life. He spoke the name of Jesus. They came under conviction. And one by one, they walked away. And the fire went down and John miraculously escaped. Am I going to go from here and be a life giver? Starting at home. Here's Jerusalem. John's way up here in Asia Minor. When, they, when he finally died, they did move out of Jerusalem. But not all do. Not all do. James gave his life in Jerusalem. Thomas, you come with me to India. Every Indian brother knows who first brought the gospel to India. It was Thomas. Doubting Thomas became a believer. And he became a life giver. And ended up with, he was shot through with a spear in present day India and then burned in a furnace of fire. Way down here is where Thomas gave his life to be a life giver for the Lord Jesus Christ. Present-day India. We minister mostly up and through this region. I've never been down in this region. There are several brothers who are saying, Pastor, we want to take you to southern India. You preach about it so much. We want to go and show you the churches. There are seven churches there today yet that have Thomas's name on. All right, Mark. Let me get Mark yet. Mark was martyred in Egypt. Just like in India, everybody knows that Thomas first brought the gospel there. Also in Egypt, everybody knows that it was Mark that was the martyred in Egypt by being dragged through the streets of Alexandria unto his death. His crime, boldly preaching Jesus Christ. Egypt, over here. Okay, there you are. All, all of them up there. There they are. This is perhaps, this is what I suggest to you is the greater works the disciples did and they will continue. The work is not finished. You come back tonight, I'm going to give you some statistics. The work is not finished. The work of Jesus is not over. There are still multitudes of unreached people groups in the world today that have never heard the name of Jesus one single time. Father, I thank you that you have called us to empty ourselves, to be filled with the Holy Spirit, to be filled with Jesus Christ, to be a disciple of yours that will go and bring the gospel of life. Bless others, speak life at home and beyond as you call and as you lead. Bless these dear young people. Thank you for them. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. God bless you.